0: Hello, and welcome to The Forest of Pop Culture Faye. I am Miller C. Lashbrook, and I am your fairy host on your journey through the forest of pop culture. This week on Pop Culture Faye, I will be talking about Marvel's Echo. Hope you enjoy. Well, before I get into my topic for the day, I'm going to go over my things I have been consuming this week. So in books, I finished reading Blood of Olympus by Rick Riordan. So I have officially read Rick Riordan's Heroes of Olympus series, and I'm very eager to jump into... Uh, the Magnus Chase series and the Trials of Apollo. Um, One of my reading goals for 2024 is to be caught up on all of Rick Riordan's books. So get caught up all the way to his most recent release, uh, Trials of the Gods. I also read Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology this week, and I started reading uh, C.S. Lewis's The Horse and His Boy. So that's another series I'm trying to make my way through is uh the chronicles of narnia series in comics i started reading grant morrison's new x-men run i haven't gotten very far into it but i am definitely liking what i've read so far in tv percy jackson still a standout this week i'm definitely going to have an episode about uh the the first season when it wraps here in a couple weeks also i watched season three of daredevil for the first time this past week in preparation for echo i definitely highly recommend i think it's one of the best like single superhero stories that's been put out it um kind of like ever it's definitely up there um it just very high quality storytelling great storyline between Uh, daredevil and kingpin for sure and then of course echo which we're going to talk about today in movies i finally got around to watching john wick chapter four this was a weird one uh i watched the first three last year in preparation for the fourth one to come out and then i think some family stuff just kind of came up the weekend that the movie came out and just kind of got away with me from me So I finally sat down and watched it this weekend, and wow, Uh, what a wonderful action movie. Some amazing stunt work and choreography going on in that movie. And then in games, uh, uh, this week I finished up Pokemon Violet with the epilogue that came out. Uh, And so next week I'll be talking a little bit about that. Next next week's episode is going to be all about... The uh, All the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so Teal Mask, Indigo Disc, and the um, epilogue event that they had this week. So that is what I was consuming this week in media. Uh, next up, we'll move into the main topic for this week, which is all about Marvel's Echo. Alrighty, so this week we are here to discuss Marvel's Echo. So Echo is kind of existing in this interesting space as a Marvel Disney Plus series. It was announced um, a while back. It was kind of part of the second round of Disney Plus shows that were announced, uh, and It was announced off the popularity of uh, Hawkeye after the success of that series. So we got Hawkeye back in December 2021. It was one of the kind of first batch of Disney Plus shows in that first year. So this was after we had gotten WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and uh, Loki and season one of What If? And that year ended with getting Hawkeye. Hawkeye is one of my favorite shows that they've done on Disney plus for Marvel. I think the way that it is simultaneously so Christmassy and feels like a great Christmas watch that holds up every year. And it also tells a really good Marvel story at the same time, I think it is a really good job. And it also is marked the point where they started to bring in some of the Netflix, uh, characters, into the mcu proper specifically in hawkeye we have kingpin uh wilson fisk in that in that series and uh <laughs> around that same time same month is when we got uh matt murdoch played by charlie cox in spider-man no way home and so that kind of marked this uh trajectory for the mcu that the, we thought the Marvel Netflix stuff was going to get folded in. Now, flash forward uh, a little over two years later, and before this week, basically what people had thought, I mean, especially after seeing Daredevil pop up in She-Hulk, uh, fans were thinking, okay, these are versions of these characters this Kingpin and Daredevil. But fans were thinking that they were just going to let the Netflix shows exist in their own timeline. And that the MCU proper, the sacred timeline, was going to have its own version of these characters. So they could tell st- stories that the MCU wants to tell. But were we wrong? <laughs> About a week ago, they released a uh, an ad for Echo, which featured... Uh, clips from the Daredevil series uh, like in the ad, uh, specifically some clips of Kingpin from the Netflix Daredevil series. And so this is when the fandom started to be like, oh, wait, are they making this stuff canon? And then come to find, when we all clicked on Echo uh, to watch this week, uh, there are some lines that definitely seem to heavily hint that the history the, that our Wilson Fisk and this show has is very similar to the one in the Netflix series. But, I mean, and then we also had some interviews from some producers of Marvel talking about the stuff being canon. But, I mean, the biggest thing that happened this week to legitimize all of this is that on Disney Plus now, if you go and you look at the MCU timeline order uh, list on in the Marvel section of Disney Plus, they have now moved every single Marvel Netflix show into that timeline. So you can now see that Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Defenders, and Punisher are all now considered part of the canon for the MCU. They are part of the sacred timeline. They're not just part of the multiverse. They are part of the main actual story for the MCU. And as someone who has watched most of those shows, I'm going to (laughs) be getting caught up now that they're canon, right? Um, But as someone who's watched most of the seasons of those shows and has really enjoyed them, especially daredevil and jessica jones uh i couldn't be happier the fact that now we could probably expect kristen ritter to show up in the mcu at some point as jessica jones makes me so happy right um (laughs) i i she is perfect as jessica um even mike coulter as luke cage and finn jones as iron fist i'd love to see them pop up um misty knight colleen wing uh, uh claire uh temple right there are these characters that were in those marvel netflix shows that are really great characters that now i definitely want to see pop up in mcu stuff biggest ask right now Destin daniel Cretton. i don't know why you would be listening to my podcast but if you are as you are writing and working on <laughs> shang chi 2 please work in Kunlun lund and uh, the Iron Fist mythos into that movie. I would love to see specifically uh, Iron Fist and Colleen Wing interact with the Shang-Chi cast. I feel like that would be awesome. Uh, Please do that. (laughs) So yeah, that's all canon now. And so this was all kind of like taking over the conversation this week and the conversation around the actual Echo show itself seemed to not like be as much of the conversation. So the rest of this, I'm just simply going to talk about Echo. First, um, let's talk about her comic book origin. Echo was a character introduced in uh, Daredevil comics in the early 2000s. She is an indigenous American character. And in the comics, she has the ability to basically mimic, um, or copy, uh, abilities of other people. And I'm not saying super natural abilities. She is able to watch somebody do something and then perform that at that same level. So in the comics, she, for instance, is able to watch a piano virtuoso play a wonderful symphony, and then she is able to play it, uh, just as wonderfully. Or she is able to watch a kung fu movie and then uh, copy that back and be a a great kung fu fighter. So those are her powers in the comics. They do some really cool and interesting things, especially with some cool artwork around those powers and her using that. And then on top of that, um, on top of being an indigenous character and having these powers she is also a deaf character that's a big part of her plot line as well Um, especially being in a daredevil comic the fact that she is deaf and daredevil is blind is a big part of their story Uh, she's gone on to appear in avengers comics in um, the new avengers run by brian michael bendis she also was a large part of jason aaron's avengers run and in that run she became the host of the phoenix force for a little bit so they've done some really cool things with her in the comics our echo in the mcu is a little bit different right we still have the elements of her character that she is part she's connected to wilson fisk and the organized crime of new york she is still an indigenous character and she is still deaf and she's played in the MCU by a deaf and indigenous actress. Some additional things they've added to her character. Alakwa Cox, who plays her in the MCU, is an amputee. So they've made the character an amputee, which I think is a really cool choice. Um, they could have easily said, no, to Alaco Cox because of that, but they've instead decided to embrace that aspect of the actress and make it part of the character, which I think is really awesome. And her powers are seemingly a little bit different. Um, When she appeared in Hawkeye, she seemed to just be like a really good fighter. They didn't really play up any specifics about her having powers or anything. But here in her show, they do change things a little bit um from the comics and so it's at this point where now that i've given her background in the mcu her background in the comics i am going to say that from here on out i'm going to be talking spoilers about the show so if you have not watched it i will say this it is a great series it is an easy watch it's essentially like a long movie it's only five episodes they dropped all at once and you could easily sit down and watch this in one or two sittings. Um, I did two sittings to just to break it up and not just binge all the way through. So I recommend watching it. I think it's a good series. I think it gives us a lot about Maya as a character, or that Echo as a character. It brings her heritage into the story in a really interesting way, and it continues her storyline that was left off in Hawkeye with Kingpin. And sets up some interesting things for the future of these characters. Okay, so now I will be talking spoilers for the show. Um, my first thoughts are, I mean, this is this first series that we've gotten a binge drop all at once. So we got all five episodes dropped on the same day. Also thought it was an interesting choice to drop it to do a binge drop at 9 p.m. Cause that's Disney Plus's new drop time is 9 p.m. Eastern time. But since it was a binge, I was thinking they would go back to the old 3 a.m drop time so people could like wake up and have the show. But it was interesting that they decided to have that 9 p.m. drop time still and that it was also the same day and drop time as a new percy jackson episode so it was like okay do i start echo or do i watch percy jackson i watched the new percy jackson episode first um so just interesting that they had like that double programming going on but the way that this is that binge model five episodes it really kind of makes it feel like this nice little self-contained story. I would almost liken it to a tie-in event comic. Uh, So if the larger event is this overarching street level story that the MCU is setting up with Kingpin as a character starting in Hawkeye and now seemingly moving into Daredevil born again, This feels like a nice little, okay, we're going to stop. We're going to give Maya a lot of backstory, a lot of development as a character, so that when we see her pop up again in Daredevil Born Again or wherever we see her again, we now have a greater understanding of her as a character if we watch the show. And if we didn't watch the show, like you wouldn't necessarily have all that development for her, but it wouldn't stop you from understanding the events of Daredevil Born Again. And so I believe that's kind of like the intention behind this new Marvel Spotlight uh, logo that they put in front of the show. They want Marvel Spotlight series to be these kind of small self-contained series that add to the character development of some kind of minor characters in the MCU. But they, if you don't watch them, it doesn't take away from the overarching story. I think they're really trying to do to move away from the idea that the mcu requires homework even though it does <laughs> like I, I we're so far in into the mcu at this point right we're 16 years into the marvel cinematic universe if you don't know that there's stuff that came before it like what are we doing here <laughs> Um, and, and that's fine. Like If you don't want to go back and watch all the stuff, that's fine. Just don't complain about the fact that you have to. <laughs> uh, that's just my feelings, though. Um, they did an interesting thing, too, in this series because it's supposed to be self-contained. I think they did an interesting thing in the first episode to make it so somebody could watch this without having watched Hawkeye. The first episode, in a way retreads some things from Hawkeye and even reuses some of the footage and they kind of weave that in with things that we haven't seen before so we kind of get to see Maya's history from little girl in Oklahoma um, and we get a little bit of that with her mother passing away we get some stuff about um, her living in New York with her dad and Kingpin Uh, we get her kind of during the blip, uh, post her father being killed by Ronan and getting like that backstory, understanding that Ronan was the one that killed her dad, um, going over that, right? We get a lot of like interesting film stuff, but the biggest thing we get is like her first mission for Kingpin, which, uh, Daredevil shows up, and so that's a a great place where they give Daredevil a cameo. This is his only thing in the whole show, and I was fine with that, right? It's Echo's story. We don't need Matt to overshadow it, but I liked that we included him in that, right? So it was like, hey, there's a street-level thing happening in New York related to Kingpin. Matt's probably going to show up, and he did, right? Um, I'm not screaming that there's not enough Daredevil in the show like some people online, right? I think it was a good dose of Daredevil um, to get us hooked into it before we moved the story to Oklahoma, where the majority of the rest of it takes place. Um, I thought the development that we got for Fisk was great. He's kind of in the periphery for the first, uh, for episodes two and three, but episodes one, four and five, you really feel his presence uh, and he is the same character that he was in the Daredevil series. And he brings that same anger and unpredictability uh, that Vincent D'Onofrio brought to this character in the Daredevil series. But just having him exist in this brighter universe now, I think makes that even scarier right the fact that he's part of this mcu universe now where we have like fun light-hearted things happening but you still have this character who is so dark and broken i think it's just like really interesting They, speaking of Fisk, I think there's great setup happening here for Daredevil Born Again. There is a post credit scene. And again, we're in the spoiler section. So if you're listening right now and you forgot to watch the post credit scene, go watch it and come back. But we get a nice post credit scene here. Simple. We have Fisk sitting on his private jet watching the news, and they're talking about a new candidate for New York mayor being needed and Fisk is getting ideas, right? So very simple post-credit scene setting up this idea for probably Daredevil born again, that Fisk is gonna run for mayor. That is a more recent storyline from the comics, from the Daredevil comics um, with Fisk being mayor. But I think if you, anybody who's watched the Daredevil series, season one, Fisk is kind of building himself up Season three, he is this like seemingly unstoppable force in New York uh, with like New York crime. Having him become mayor is the next gradual step in that escalation of Fisk just becoming this powerful uh, crime boss in the MCU. I One of the big things online that I know my thoughts are kind of going all over the place here. One of the things online that a lot of people are talking about is her powers. So as I said, in the comics, she has this kind of copycat type powers where she can see somebody do something and she can uh, mimic that fighting style or um, their ability that they have, like I said, like playing the piano. Here they've decided to give her powers that are definitely more tied into her choctaw heritage which just the way that this show worked with the choctaw nation um they even like thank them in the credits you could tell that a lot of care was put into incorporating maya's heritage into the story and so instead of echo referring to the way that she echoes other people's abilities here she is an echo of her ancestors of the past right she can pull in attributes of her ancestors and seemingly it can grant her some strength in places it can give her like marksmanship because she had an ancestor who um, was like a, a gunslinger kind of character. And it also gives her this healing ability. So it's, we never get like a super concrete explanation of the powers and exactly what it can and can't do. But I like tying her powers into her heritage. And I think they could really do some interesting things once she kind of like comes back into the marvel netflix stuff and i was so worried that at the end that her healing thing was going to try to like heal fisk and all his trauma but clearly like he's so broken it didn't work on him like it it conveniently healed his eye right so that he doesn't have to wear like an eye patch over one eye after being shot in the eye (laughs) which that happened in the comics so i was kind of expecting his eye to be conveniently healed by the end of the show anyway um so anyone who's saying like that that was stupid right but loves the comic that that storyline was kind of based on his eye is cured in like six issues in the comic so don't let anybody fool you that, (laughs) that he was blind for that long um and i just i i we saw like her healing him and then going back into his past and for a second i was like oh no oh no are they gonna heal his trauma because like healing trauma is great but he's wilson Fisk he's like one of the greatest villains of all time (laughs) we don't want to heal his trauma he needs to stay broken right (laughs) and they didn't it seemed to anger him and it almost seemed like him visiting his past just made him more unpredictable and reckless, which I think that's a really cool place to, like, steer the character. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see, like, is she going to be, like, the cleric for (laughs) the defenders now, where, uh, like, Matt doesn't need to go to Claire anymore and get, like, stitched up. She could just come to him and, like, put her fingers over him and heal him. It'll also be interesting to see is this something that she only has when she's like at home with her family and her tribe? Or is this something that she can take back to New York with her if she shows up in daredevil born again? So that'll be interesting to see too. Um, lastly, I just think like all the stuff with in, in Oklahoma with her family and her tribe, while that was all new to her as a character, right? Very different from the comics i thought it was like a welcome addition it made maya this very unique character in the mcu and also because most of the show took place in oklahoma it gave it a unique setting that we really haven't seen in the mcu this kind of like rural town uh setting made things feel simultaneously like very isolated um but also very intimate Uh, With the family storyline going on and that made it even more scary when Fisk showed up with his men because you were like oh gosh this is some small town in Oklahoma where these people are just trying to like live their best life and keep their heritage alive and now the big (laughs) the kingpin is is, is there and it was like those last two episodes it was like please don't harm any of these really nice people please don't harm... Uh, biscuits and his dog please don't harm her 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 grandfather uh, who just wants to get back with his (laughs) with his ex-wife right like it was just like please don't hurt them um and like luckily we didn't have any of those characters get harmed or anything so yeah overall i i don't think echo echo's not my favorite mcu show but i I don't think it's the worst one either i think it's a nice little storyline to give us more about Maya as a character in the MCU so that the next time we see her, we appreciate her that much more because we have this backstory for her. So those are kind of my thoughts uh overall on the show. Yeah. Alrighty, thank you for joining me today in talking about Marvel's Echo. If you are listening and enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and also uh, give it a nice review there. That would be really helpful. It would get the podcast out there to people who might enjoy it. Also, if you have a friend who you think would enjoy the podcast, make sure to share it with them so we can grow our little community here. Next week, uh, I will be talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's DLC so all parts of it the teal mask indigo disc and the epilogue event Once again I am Miller C Lashbrook you can find me on Twitter at mill c lashbrook on Instagram at miller c lashbrook and for more pop culture fay you can head to our website popculturefay.com for blog posts and more content Lastly I hope that you have a fantastic day a wonderful week, and I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of pop culture fame.